Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wild Child Podcast. Today, I will be reading a few chapters from Ramona and Her Father by Beverly Cleary. The next episode will be the rest of the book. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 1, Payday. Yeep! sang Ramona Quimby one warm September afternoon as she knelt on a chair at the kitchen table to make out her Christmas list. She had enjoyed a good day in second grade, and she looked forward to working on her list. For Ramona, a Christmas list was a list of presents she hoped to receive, not presents she planned to give. Yeep! she sang again. Thank goodness today is payday, remarked Mrs. Quimby as she opened the refrigerator to see what she could find for supper. Yeep! sang Ramona as she printed mice or guinea pig on her list with a purple crayon. Next to Christmas and her birthday, her father's payday was her favorite day. His payday meant treats. Her mother's payday from her first part-time job in a doctor's office meant they could make payments on the bedroom the Quimby's had added to their house when Ramona was in first grade. What's all this yeeping about? asked Mrs. Quimby. I'm making a joyful noise unto the Lord like they say in Sunday school, Ramona explained. Only they don't tell us what the joyful noise sounds like, so I made up my own. Hooray and wow, joyful noises to Ramona had not sounded right, so she had settled on yeep because it sounded happy but not rowdy. Isn't that all right? she asked, as she began to add, mine a bird that talks to her list. Yeep is fine, if that's the way you feel about it, reassured Mrs. Quimby. Ramona printed cuckoo clock on her list while she wondered what the treat would be this payday. Maybe, since this was Friday, they could all go to a movie if her parents could find one suitable. Both Ramona and her big sister Beezus, christened Beatrice, wondered what went on in all those other movies. They planned to find out the minute they were grown up. That was one thing they agreed on, or maybe their father would bring presents, a package of colored paper for Ramona, a paperback book for Beezus. I wish I could think of something interesting to do with leftover pot roast and creamed cauliflower, remarked Mrs. Quimby. Leftovers? Yuck, thought Ramona. Maybe Daddy will take us to the Whopper Burger for supper for payday, she said. A soft, juicy hamburger spiced with relish, french fries crisp on the outside and mealy inside, a little paper cup of coleslaw at the Whopper Burger restaurant were Ramona's favorite payday treat. Eating close together in a booth made Ramona feel snug and cozy. She and Beezus never quarreled at the Whopper Burger. Good idea, Mrs. Quimby closed the refrigerator door. I'll see what I can do. Then Beezus came into the kitchen through the back door, dropped her books on the table, and flopped down on a chair with a gusty sigh. What was that all about? asked Mrs. Quimby, not at all worried. <sighs> Nobody's any fun anymore, complained Beezus. Henry spends all of his time running around the track over at the high school getting ready for the Olympics in eight or twelve years. Or he and Robert study a book of world records trying to find a record to break. And Mary Jane practices the piano all the time. 
Bees aside again. And Mrs. Mester says we are going to do lots of creative writing, and I hate creative writing. I don't see why I had to get Mrs. Mester for seventh grade anyway. Creative writing can't be as bad as all that, said Mrs. Quimby. You just don't understand, complained Beezus. I can never think of stories, and my poems are all stuff like, See the bird in the tree, he is singing to me. <laughs> asked Ramona without thinking. Ramona, said Mrs. Quimby, that was not necessary. Because Beezus had been so grouchy lately, Ramona could manage to be only medium sorry. Psst! Pest, said Beezus. Noticing Ramona's work, she added, making out a Christmas list in September is silly. Ramona calmly selected an orange crayon. She was used to being called a pest, if I am a pest, you are a rotten dinosaur egg, she informed her sister. Mother, make her stop, said Beezus. When Beezus said this, Ramona knew she had won. The time had come to change the subject. Today's payday, she told her sister. Maybe we'll get to go to the Whopper Burger for supper. Oh, mother, will we? Beezus' unhappy mood disappeared as she swooped up picky-picky, the quimby shabby old cat who had strolled into the kitchen. She purred a rusty purr as she rubbed her cheek against her yellow fur. I'll see what I can do, said Mrs. Quimby. Smiling, Beezus dropped picky-picky, gathered up her books, and went off to her room. Beezus was the kind of girl who did her homework on Friday instead of waiting until the last minute on Sunday. Ramona asked in a quiet voice, Mother, why is Beza so cross lately? Letting her sister overhear such a question would lead to real trouble. You mustn't mind her, whispered Mrs. Quimby. She's reached a difficult age. Ramona thought such an all-purpose excuse for bad behavior would be a handy thing to have. So have I, she confided to her mother. Mrs. Quimby dropped a kiss on the top of Ramona's head. Silly girl, she said. It's just a phase Beezus is going through. She'll outgrow it. A contented silence fell over the house as three members of the family looked forward to supper at the Whopper Burger, where they would eat, close, and cozy in a booth, their food brought to them by a friendly waitress who always said, There you go, as she set down their hamburgers and french fries. Ramona had decided to order a cheeseburger when she heard the sound of her father's key in the front door. Daddy, Daddy, she shrieked, scrambling down from the chair and running to meet her father as he opened the door. Guess what? Beezus, who had come from her room, answered before her father had come to a chance to guess. Mother said maybe we could go to the Whopper Burger for dinner. Mr. Quimby smiled and kissed his daughter before he held out a small white paper bag. Here. I brought you a little present. Somehow, he did not look as happy as usual. Maybe he had had a hard day at the office of the van and storage company where he worked. His daughters pounced and opened the bag together. Gummy bears, was their joyful cry. The chewy little bears were the most popular sweet at Glenwood School this fall. Last spring, powdered jello eaten from the package had been the fad. Mr. Quimby always remembered these things. Run along and divide them between you, said Mr. Quimby. I want to talk to your mother. Don't spoil your dinner, said Mrs. Quimby. 
The girls bore the bag off to Beezus's room, where they dumped the gummy bears onto the bedspread. First, they divided the cinnamon-flavored red bears, one for Beezus, one for Ramona. Then they divided the orange bears and the green, and as they were about to divide the yellow bears, both girls were suddenly aware to their mother and father were no longer talking. Silence filled the house. The sisters looked at one another. There was something unnatural about this silence. Uneasy. They waited for some sound, and then their parents began to speak in whispers. Beezus tiptoed to the door. Ramona bit the head off of a red gummy bear. She always ate toes last. Maybe they're planning a big surprise, she suggested, refusing to worry. I don't think so, whispered Beezus but I can't hear what they're saying. Try listening through the furnace pipes, whispered Ramona. That won't work here. The living room is too far away. Beza strained to catch her parents' words. I think something's wrong. Ramona divided her gummy bears, one heap to eat home, the other to take to school to share with friends if they were nice to her. Something is wrong, something awful, whispered Beza. I can tell by the way they are talking. Beezus looked so frightened that Ramona became frightened too. What could be wrong? She tried to think what she might have done to make her parents whisper this way, but she had stayed out of trouble lately. She could not think of a single thing that could be wrong. This frightened her even more. She no longer felt like eating chewy little bears. She wanted to know why her mother and father were whispering in a way that alarmed Beezus. Finally, the girls heard their father say in a normal voice, I think I'll take a shower before supper. This remark was reassuring to Ramona. What will, you, what will we do now? whispered Beezus. I'm scared to go out. Worrying curiosity, however, urged Beezus and Ramona into the hall. Trying to pretend that they were not concerned about their family, the girls walked into the kitchen where Mrs. Quimby was removing leftovers from the refrigerator. I think we'll eat at home after all, she said, looking sad and anxious. Without being asked, Ramona began to deal four placemats around the dining room table, laying them all right side up. When she was cross with Beezus, she laid her sister's placemat face down. Mrs. Quimby looked at the cold, creamed cauliflower with distaste returned it to the refrigerator, and reached for a can of green beans before she noticed her silent and worried daughters watching her for clues as to what might be wrong. Mrs. Quimby turned and faced Beezus and Ramona. Girls, you might as well know. Your father has lost his job. But he liked his job, said Ramona, regretting the loss of that hamburger and those french fries eaten in the coziness of a booth. She had known her father to change jobs because he had not liked his work, but she had never heard of him losing a job. Was he fired? asked Beezus, shocked at the news. Mrs. Quimby opened the green beans and dumped them into a saucepan before she explained. Losing his job was not your father's fault. He worked for a little company. A big company bought the little company and let most of those people who worked for the little company go. But won't we have enough money? Beezus understood these things better than Ramona. Mother works, Ramona reminded her sister. Only part-time, said Mrs. Quimby, and we have to make payments to the bank for the new room. That's why I went to work. 
What will we do? asked Ramona, alarmed at last. Would they go hungry? Would the men from the bank come and tear down the new room if they couldn't pay for it? She had never thought what it might be to not have enough money. Not that the Quimby's ever had money to spare, although Ramona had often heard her mother say that house payments, car payments, taxes, and groceries seemed to eat up their money. Mrs. Quimby somehow managed to make their money pay for all they really needed was a little treat now and then, besides. We will have to manage as best as we can until your father finds work, said Mrs. Quimby. It may not be easy. Maybe I could babysit, volunteered Bezos. As she laid out knives and forks, Ramona wondered how she could earn money, too. She could have a lemonade stand in front of the house, except nobody ever bought lemonade but her father and her friend Howie. She thought about pounding rose petals and soaking them in water to make perfume to sell. Unfortunately, the perfume she tried to make always smelled like rotten rose petals, and anyway, the roses were almost gone. And girls, said Mrs. Quimby, lowering her voice, as she was about to share a secret. You mustn't do anything to annoy your father. He is worried enough right now. But he remembered to bring gummy bears, thought Ramona, who never wanted to annoy her father or her mother either, just Bezos. Although sometimes, without even trying, she succeeded in annoying her whole family. Ramona felt sad and somehow lonely, as if she were left out of something important, because her family was in trouble and there was nothing she could do to help. When she had finished setting the table, she returned to the list she had begun. It now seemed a long time ago. But what about Christmas? She asked her mother. Right now, Christmas is the least of our worries. Mrs. Quimby looked sadder than Ramona had ever seen her look. Taxes are due in November, and we have to buy groceries and make car payments, and a lot of other things. Don't we have enough money in the bank? asked Bezos. Not much, admitted Mrs. Quimby, but your father was given two weeks' pay. Ramona looked at the list she had begun so happily, and wondered how much the presents she had listed would cost. Too much, she knew. Mice were free, if you knew the right person. The owner of a mother mouse, so she might get some mice. Slowly, Ramona crossed out guinea pig and the other presents she had listed. As she made black lines through each item, she thought about her family. She did not want her father to be worried, her mother sad, or her sister cross. She wanted her whole family, including Picky Picky, to be happy. Ramona studied her crayons, chose a pinky red one because it seemed the happiest color, and printed one more item on her Christmas list to make for all she had crossed out. One happy family. Beside the words, she drew four smiling faces, and beside them, the face of a yellow cat, also smiling. Chapter Two, Ramona and the Million Dollars. Ramona wished she had a million dollars so her father would be fun again. There had been many changes in the Quimby household since Mr. Quimby had lost his job, but the biggest change was in Mr. Quimby himself. First of all, Mrs. Quimby found a full-time job working for another doctor, which was good news. 
However, even a second grader could understand that one paycheck would not stretch as far as two paychecks, especially when there was so much talk of taxes, whatever they were. Mrs. Quimby's new job meant that Mr. Quimby had to be home when Ramona returned from school. Ramona and her father saw a lot of one another. At first, she thought having her father to herself for an hour or two every day would be fun. But when she came home, she found him running the vacuum cleaner, filling out job applications, or sitting on the couch, smoking and staring into space. He could not take her to the park because he had to stay near the telephone. Someone might call to offer him a job. Ramona grew uneasy. Maybe he was too worried to love her anymore. One day, Ramona came home to find her father in the living room, drinking warmed-over coffee, smoking, and staring at the television set. On the screen, a boy a couple of years younger than Ramona was singing, Forget your pots, forget your pans, it's not too late to change your plans. Spend a little, eat a lot, bake that burgers nice and hot at your nearest Whopper Burger. Ramona watched him open his mouth wide to bite into a fat cheeseburger with lettuce and tomato spilling out of the bun and thought wistfully of the good old days when the family used to go to the restaurant on payday and when her mother used to bring home little treats. Stuffed olives, cinnamon buns for Sunday breakfast, a bag of potato chips. That kid must be earning a million dollars. Mr. Quimby snuffed out his cigarette in a loaded ashtray. He's singing that commercial every time I turn on the television. A boy Ramona's age earning a million dollars. Ramona was all interest. How's he earning a million dollars? She asked. She had often thought of all the things they could do if they had a million dollars. Beginning with turning up the thermostat so they wouldn't have to wear sweaters in the house to save fuel oil. Mr. Quimby explained. They make a movie of him singing the commercial, and every time the movie is shown on television, he gets paid. It all adds up. Well, this was a new idea to Ramona. She thought it over as she got out her crayons and paper and knelt on a chair at the kitchen table. Singing a song about hamburgers would not be hard to do. She could do it herself. Maybe she could earn a million dollars like that boy so her father would be fun again. And everyone at school would watch her on television and say, There's Ramona Quimby. She goes to our school. A million dollars would buy a cuckoo clock for every room in the house. Her father wouldn't need a job. The family could go to Disneyland. Forget your pots, forget your pans, Ramona began to sing as she drew a picture of a hamburger and stabbed yellow dots across the top of the bun for sesame seeds. With a million dollars, the Quimbys could eat in a restaurant every day if they wanted to. After that, Ramona began to watch for children on television commercials. She saw a boy eating bread and margarine when a crown suddenly appeared on his head with a fanfare, ta-da, of music. She saw a girl who asked, Mommy, wouldn't it be nice if we caramel apples? And they grew on trees? And another girl who took a bite of cereal and said, It's good, hmm, and giggled. There was a boy who asked at the end of a wiener commercial, Dad, how do you tell a boy hot dog from a girl hot dog? And a girl who tipped her head to one side and said, Pop, 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 
as she listened to her cereal. Children crunched potato chips, chomped on pickles, gnawed at fried chicken. Ramona grew particularly fond of the curly-haired little girl saying to her mother at the zoo, Look, Mommy, the elephant's legs are wrinkled, just like your pantyhose. Ramona could say all those things. Ramona began to practice. Maybe someone would see her and offer her a million dollars to make a television commercial. On her way to school, if her friend Howie did not walk with her, she tipped her head to one side and said, Pop, pop, pop! She said to herself, Mmm, it's good! And giggled. Giggling wasn't easy when she didn't have anything to giggle about, but she worked at it. Once she practiced on her mother by asking, Mommy, wouldn't it be nice if caramel apples grew on trees? She had taken to calling her mother Mommy lately, because children on commercials always call their mothers Mommy. Mrs. Quimby's absent-minded answer was, Not really. Caramel is bad for your teeth. She was wearing slacks, so Ramona could not say the line about pantyhose. Since the Quimby's no longer brought potato chips or pickles home, Ramona found other foods, toast and apples and carrot sticks, to practice good, loud crunching on. When they had chicken for dinner, she smacked and licked her fingers. Ramona, said Mr. Quimby, your table manners grow worse and worse. Don't eat so noisily. My grandmother used to say, a smack of the table is worth a smack on the bottom. Ramona, who did not think she would have liked her father's grandmother, was embarrassed. She had been practicing to be on television, and she had forgotten her family could hear. Ramona continued to practice until she began to feel as if television camera was watching her wherever she went. She smiled a lot and skipped, feeling that she was cute and lovable. She felt as if she had fluffy, blonde curls, even though in real life her hair was brown and straight. One morning, smiling prettily, she thought, and swinging her lunchbox, Ramona skipped to school. Today, someone might notice her because she was wearing her red tights. She was happy because this was a special day, the day of Ramona's parent-teacher conference. Since Mrs. Quimby was at work, Mr. Quimby was going to meet with Mrs. Rogers, her second-grade teacher. Ramona was proud to have a father who would come to school. Feeling dainty, curly-haired, and adorable, Ramona skipped into her classroom, and what did she see but Mrs. Rogers with wrinkles around her ankles? Ramona did not hesitate. She skipped right over to her teacher and, since there did not happen to be an elephant in room two, turned the words around and said, Mrs. Rogers, your pantyhose are wrinkled like an elephant's legs. Mrs. Rogers looked surprised, and the boys and girls who had already taken their seats giggled. All the teacher said was, Thank you, Ramona, for telling me. And remember, we do not skip inside the school building. Ramona had an uneasy feeling she had displeased her teacher. She was sure of it when Howie said, Ramona, you sure weren't very polite to Mrs. Rogers. Howie, a serious thinker, was usually right. Suddenly, Ramona was alone longer, an adorable little fluffy-haired girl on television. She was plain old Ramona a second grader whose own red tights bagged at the knee and wrinkled at the ankle. This wasn't the way things turned out on television. On television, grown-ups always smiled at everything children did. 
During recess, Ramona went to the girls' bathroom and rolled her tights up at the waist to stretch them up at the knee and ankle. Mrs. Rogers must have done the same thing to her pantyhose, because after recess her ankles were smooth. Ramona felt better. That afternoon, when the lower grades had been dismissed from their classrooms, Ramona found her father, along with Davy's mother, waiting outside the door of room two for their conferences with Mrs. Rogers. Davy's mother's appointment was first, so Mr. Quimby sat down on a chair outside the door with a folder of Ramona's schoolwork to look over. Davy stood close to the door, hoping to hear what his teacher was saying about him. Everybody in room two was anxious to learn what the teacher said. Mr. Quimby opened Ramona's folder. Run along and play on the playground until I'm through, he told his daughter. Promise you'll tell me what Mrs. Rogers says about me, said Ramona. Mr. Quimby understood. He smiled and gave his promise. Outside the playground was chilly and damp. The only children who lingered were those whose parents had conferences, and they were more interested in what was going on inside the building than outside. Bored, Ramona looked around for something to do. And because she could find nothing better, she followed a traffic boy across the street. On the opposite side, near the market that had been built when she was a kindergarten, she decided she had time to explore. In a weedy space at the side of the market building, she discovered several burdock plants that bore a prickly crop of brown burrs, each covered with sharp little hooks. Ramona saw at once that burrs had all sorts of interesting possibilities. She had picked two and stuck them together. She had added another and another. They were better than tinker toys. She would have to tell Howie about them. When she had a string of burrs, each clinging to the next, she bent it into a circle and stuck the ends together. A crown. She could make a crown. She picked more burrs and built up the circle by making peaks all the way around like a crown the boy wore in the margarine commercial. There was only one thing to do with a crown like that. Ramona crowned herself. Ta-da! Like the boy on television. Prickly though it was, Ramona enjoyed wearing the crown. She practiced looking surprised, like the boy who ate the margarine, and pretended she was rich and famous and able to meet her father, who would be driving a big shiny car bought by the million dollars she had earned. The traffic boys had gone off duty. Ramona remembered to look both ways before she crossed the street. And as she crossed, she pretended people were saying, there goes that rich girl. She earned a million dollars eating margarine on TV. Mr. Quimby was standing on the playground looking for Ramona. Forgetting all she had been pretending, Ramona ran to him. What did Mrs. Rogers say about me? She demanded. That's some crown you got there, Mr. Quimby remarked. Daddy, what did she say? Ramona could not contain her impatience. Mr. Quimby grinned. She said you were impatient. Oh, that. People were always telling Ramona not to be so impatient. What else? asked Ramona, as she and her father walked toward home. You're a good reader, but you are careless about spelling. Ramona knew this. Unlike Beezus, who was an excellent speller, Ramona could not believe spelling was important as long as people could understand what she meant. What else? She said you draw unusually well for a second grader, and your printing is the best in the class. What else? 
Mr. Quimby raised one eyebrow as he looked down at Ramona. She said you were inclined to show off and you sometimes forget your manners. Ramona was indignant at this criticism. I do not. She's just making that up. Then she remembered what she had said about her teacher's pantyhose and felt subdued. She hoped her teacher had not repeated her remark to her father. I remember my manners most of the time, said Ramona, wondering what her teacher had meant by showing off, being first to raise her hand when she knew the answer. Of course you do, agreed Mr. Quimby. After all, you are my daughter. Now tell me, how are you going to get that crown off? Using both hands, Ramona tried to lift her crown, but only succeeded in pulling her hair. The tiny hooks clung fast. Ramona tugged. Ow! That hurt! She looked helplessly up at her father. Mr. Quimby appeared amused. Who do you think you are? A rose festival queen? Ramona pretended to ignore her father's question. How silly to act like someone on television when she was a plain old second grader whose tights bagged at the knees again. She hoped her father would not guess. He might. He was good at guessing. By then, Ramona and her father were home. As Mr. Quimby unlocked the front door, he said, We'll have to see what we can do about getting you uncrowned before your mother gets home. Any ideas? Ramona had no answer, although she was eager to part with the crown before her father guessed what she had been doing. In the kitchen, Mr. Quimby picked off the top of the crown, the part that did not touch Ramona's hair. That was easy. Now came the hard part. Yahoo! said Ramona, when her father tried to lift the crown. That won't work, said her father. Let's try one burr at a time. He went to work on one burr carefully trying to untangle it from Ramona's hair, one strand at a time. To Ramona, who did not like to stand still, this process took forever. Each burr was snarled in a hundred hairs, and each hair had to be pulled before the burr was loosened. After a long time, Mr. Quimby handed a hair-entangled burr to Ramona. Yo! Yipe! Leave me some hair! said Ramona, picturing a bald circle around her head. I'm trying, said Mr. Quimby, and began on the next burr. Ramona sighed. Standing still, doing nothing, was tiresome. After what seemed like a long time, Beezus came home from school. She took one look at Ramona and began to laugh. <laughs> I don't suppose you ever did anything so dumb, said Ramona, short of patience and anxious, lest her sister guess why she was wearing the remains of a crown. What about the time you... No arguments, said Mr. Quimby. We have a problem to solve, and it might be a good idea if we solved it before your mother comes home from work. Much to Ramona's annoyance, her sister sat down to watch. How about soaking, suggested Beezus. It might soften all those millions of little hooks. Yow, yipe, said Ramona. You're pulling too hard. Mr. Quimby laid another hair-filled burr on the table. Maybe we should try. This isn't working. It's about time you washed her hair anyway, said Beezus, a remark Ramona felt very entirely unnecessary. Nobody could shampoo hair full of burrs. Ramona knelt on a chair with her hair in a sink full of warm water for what seemed like hours until her knees ached and she had a crick in her neck. Now, Daddy... 
she asked at least once a minute. Not yet, Mr. Quimby answered, feeling a burr. Nope, he said at last. This isn't going to work. Ramona lifted her head, dripping from the sink. When her father tried to dry her hair, the burr hooks clung to the towel. He jerked the towel loose and draped it over Ramona's shoulders. Well, live and learn, said Mr. Quimby. Beezus, scrub some potatoes and throw them in the oven. We can't have your mother come home and find we haven't started supper. When Mrs. Quimby arrived, she took one look at her husband trying to untangle Ramona's wet hair from the burrs, groaned, sank limply onto a kitchen chair, and began to laugh. By now, Ramona was tired, cross, and hungry. I don't see anything funny, she said. Mrs. Quimby managed to stop laughing. Oh, what on earth got into you? she asked. Ramona considered. Was this a question grown-ups asked, just to be asking a question? Or did her mother expect an answer? Nothing was a safe reply. She would never tell her family how she happened to be wearing a crown of burrs. Never, not even only if they knew. Beezus, bring me the scissors, said Mrs. Quimby. Ramona clapped her hands over the burrs. No, she shrieked and stamped her foot. I won't let you cut off my hair. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. Beezus handed her mother the scissors and gave her sister some advice. Stop yelling. If you go to bed with burrs in your hair, you'll really get messed up. Ramona had to face the wisdom of Beezus's words. She stopped yelling to consider the problem once more. <sighs> All right, she said, as if she were granting a favor. But I want Daddy to do it. Her father would work with care while her mother, always in a hurry since she was working full time, would go snip, snip, snip and be done with it. Besides, supper would be prepared faster and would taste better if her mother did the cooking. I am honored, said Mr. Quimby, deeply honored. Mrs. Quimby did not seem sorry to hand over the scissors. Why don't you go do someplace else to work while Beezus and I get supper on the table? Mr. Quimby led Ramona into the living room, where he turned on the television set. This may take time, he explained as he went to work. We might as well watch the news. Ramona was still anxious. Don't cut any more than you have to, Daddy, she begged, praying the margarine boy would not appear on the screen. I don't want everyone at school to make fun of me. The newscaster was talking about strikes and a lot of things Ramona did not understand. The merest smidgen, promised her father. Snip, snip, snip. He laid a hair and snarled burr in an ashtray. Snip, snip, snip. He laid another burr beside the first. Does it look awful? asked Ramona. As my grandmother would say, it will never be noticed by a trotting horse. Ramona let out a long, shuddery sigh, the closest thing to crying without really crying. Snip, snip, snip. Ramona touched the side of her head. She still had hair there, more hair than she expected. She felt a little better. The newscaster disappeared from the television set, and there was that boy again singing, Forget your pots, forget your pans, it's not too late to change your plans. Ramona thought longingly of the days before her father lost his job, 
when they could forget their pots and pans and change their plans. She watched the boy open his mouth wide and sink his teeth into that fat hamburger with lettuce, tomato, and cheese hanging out of the bun. She swallowed and said, I bet that boy has a lot of fun with his million dollars. She felt so sad. The Quimby's really needed a million dollars. Every, even, just one dollar would help. Snip, snip, snip. Oh, I don't know, said Mr. Quimby. Money is handy, but it isn't everything. I wish I could earn a million dollars like that boy, said Ramona. This was the closest she would ever come to telling how she happened to set a crown of burrs on her head. You know something, said Mr. Quimby. I don't care how much that kid or any other kid earns. I wouldn't trade you for a million dollars. Really, Daddy? That remark about any other kid. Ramona wondered if her father had guessed her reason for the crown, but she would never ask. Never. Really? Do you mean it? Really? Mr. Quimby continued his careful snipping. I'll bet that boy's father wishes he had a little girl who finger-painted and wiped her hands on the cat when she was little and who once cut her own hair so she would be bald like her uncle and who then grew up to be seven years old and crowned herself with burrs. Not every father is lucky enough to have a daughter like that. Ramona giggled. Daddy, you're being silly. She was happier than she had been in a long time. Chapter 3, The Night of the Jack-O-Lantern Please pass the Tommy Toes, said Ramona, hoping to make someone in the family smile. She felt good when her father smiled as he passed her the bowl of stewed tomatoes. He smiled less and less as the days went by and he had not found work. Too often, he was just plain cross. Ramona had learned not to rush home from school and ask, Did you find a job today, Daddy? Mrs. Quimby always seemed to look anxious these days, either over the cost of groceries or money the family owed. Beezus had turned into a regular old grouch because she dreaded creative writing and perhaps because she had reached that difficult age Mrs. Quimby was always talking about, although Ramona found this hard to believe. Even Picky Picky was not himself. He lashed his tail and stalked angrily away from his dish when Beezus served him Puss Putty, the cheapest brand of cat food Mrs. Quimby could find in the market. All this worried Ramona. She wanted her father to smile and joke, her mother to look happy, her sister to be cheerful, and Picky Picky to eat his food, wash his whiskers, and purr the way he used to. And so, Mr. Quimby was saying, at the end of the interview for the job, the man said he would let me know if anything turned up. Mrs. Quimby sighed. Let's hope you hear from him. Oh, by the way, the car has been making a funny noise, a sort of tappity-tappity sound. It's Murphy's Law, said Mr. Quimby. Anything that can go wrong will. Ramona knew her father was not joking this time. Last week, when the washing machine refused to work, the Quimby's had been horrified by the size of the repair bill. I like Tommy Toes said Ramona, hoping her little joke would work a second time. This was not exactly true, but she was willing to sacrifice truth for a smile. 
Since no one paid any attention, Ramona spoke louder as she lifted the bowl of stewed tomatoes. Does anybody want any Tommy Toes? she asked. The bowl tipped. Mrs. Quimby silently reached over and wiped spilled juice from the table with her napkin. Crestfallen, Ramona set the bowl down. No one had smiled. Ramona, said Mr. Quimby, my grandmother used to have a saying, first time is funny, second time is silly, third time is a spanking. Ramona looked down at her placemat. Nothing seemed to go right lately. Picky Picky must have felt the same way. He sat down beside Bezos and meowed his crossest meow. Mr. Quimby lit a cigarette and asked his oldest daughter, Haven't you fed the cat yet? Bezos rose to the clear the table. It wouldn't do any good. He hasn't eaten his breakfast. He won't eat that cheap pus putty. Too bad about him, Mr. Quimby blew a cloud of smoke toward the ceiling. He goes next door and mews as if we never give him anything to eat. It's embarrassing. He'll just have to learn to eat what we can afford, said Mr. Quimby, or we will get rid of him. This statement shocked Ramona. Picky Picky had been a member of the family since before she was born. Well, I don't blame him, said Bezos, picking up the cat and pressing her cheek against his fur. Puss Putty stinks. Mr. Quimby ground out his cigarette. Guess what? said Mrs. Quimby, as if to change the subject. Howie's grandmother drove out to visit her sister, who lives on a farm, and her sister sent in a lot of pumpkins for jack-o'-lanterns for the neighborhood children. Mrs. Kemp gave us a big one, and it's down in the basement now, waiting to be carved. Me, me, cried Ramona. Let me get it. Let's give it a real scary face, said Bezos, no longer difficult. I'll have to sharpen my knife, said Mr. Quimby. Run along and bring it up, Ramona, said Mrs. Quimby with a real smile. Relief flooded through Ramona. Her family had returned to normal. She snapped on the basement light, thumped down the stairs, and there in the shadow of the furnace pipes, which reached out like ghostly arms, was a big, round pumpkin. Ramona grasped its scratchy stem, found the pumpkin too big to lift that way, bent over, hugged it in both arms, and raised it from the cement floor. The pumpkin was heavier than she had expected, and she must not let it drop and smash all over the concrete floor. Need some help, Ramona? Mrs. Quimby called down the stairs. I can do it, Ramona felt for each step with her feet and emerged victorious into the kitchen. Wow, that is a big one. Mr. Quimby was sharpening his jackknife on a wet stone while Bezos and her mother hurried through the dishes. A pumpkin that size would cost a lot at the market, Mr. Quimby remarked. A couple of dollars, at least. Let's give it eyebrows like last year, said Ramona. And ears, said Bezos. And lots of teeth, added Ramona. There would be no jack-o'-lantern with one tooth and three triangles for eyes and nose in the Quimby's front window on Halloween. Mr. Quimby was the best pumpkin carver on Clickitat Street. Everybody. Hmm, let's see now. Mr. Quimby studied the pumpkin, turning it to find the best side for the face. I think the nose should go about here. With a pencil, he sketched a nose-shaped nose. Not a triangle, while his daughters leaned on their elbows to watch. Shall we have it smile or frown, he asked. Smile! said Ramona, who had had enough of frowning. 
frown, said Beezus. The mouth turned up on one side and down on the other. Eyes were sketched and eyebrows. Very impressive and very expressive, said Mr. Quimby. Something between a leer and a sneer. He cut a circle around the top of the pumpkin and lifted it off for a lid. Without being asked, Ramona found a big spoon for scooping out the seeds. Picky Picky came into the kitchen to see if something beside Puss Putty had been placed in his dish. When he found that it had not, he paused, sniffed the unfamiliar pumpkin smell, and with his tail twitching angrily, stalked out of the kitchen. Ramona was glad Beezus did not notice. If we don't let the candle burn the jack-o'-lantern, we can have pumpkin pie, said Mrs. Quimby. I can even freeze some of the pumpkin for Thanksgiving. Mr. Quimby began to whistle as he carved with skill and care. First a mouthful of teeth, each one neat and square, then eyes, and a jagged, ferocious eyebrows. He was working on two ears, shaped like question marks, when Mrs. Quimby said, Bedtime, Ramona. I'm going to stay up until Daddy finishes, Ramona informed her family. No ifs, ands, or buts. Run along and take your bath, said Mrs. Quimby, and you can watch a while longer. Because her family was happy once more, Ramona did not protest. She returned quickly, however, still damp under her pajamas, to see what her father had thought of next. Hair, that's what he had thought of. Something he could carve because the pumpkin was so big. He cut a few C-shaped curls around the hole in the top of the pumpkin before he reached inside and hollowed out a candle holder in the bottom. There, he said, and rinsed his jackknife under the kitchen faucet. A work of art. Mrs. Quimby found a candle stub, inserted it into the pumpkin, lit it, and set the lid in place. Ramona switched off the light. The jack-o'-lantern leered and sneered with a flickering flame. Oh, Daddy! Ramona threw her arms around her father. It's the wickedest jack-o'-lantern in the whole world! Mr. Quimby kissed the top of Ramona's head. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. Now run along to bed. Ramona could tell by the sound of her father's voice that he was smiling. She ran off to her room without thinking up excuses for staying up just five more minutes, added a postscript to her, to her prayers thanking God for the bib pumpkin, and another asking him to find her father a job, and fell asleep at once, not bothering to tuck her panda bear in beside her for comfort. In the middle of the night, Ramona found herself suddenly awake without knowing why she was awake. Had she heard a noise? Yes, she had. Tense, she listened hard. There it was again, a sort of thumping, scuffling noise, not very loud, but there it was just the same. Silence. Then she heard it again, inside the house, in the kitchen. Something was in the kitchen, and it was moving. Ramona's mouth was so dry she could barely whisper, Daddy! No answer. More thumping. Someone bumped against the wall. Someone, something was coming to get them. Ramona thought about the leering, sneering face on the kitchen table. All the ghost stories she had ever heard, all the ghostly pictures she had ever seen flew through her mind. Could the jack-o'-lantern have come to life? Of course not. It was only a pumpkin, but still, a bodiless, leering head was too horrifying to think about. Ramona sat up in bed and shrieked, Daddy! 
A light came on in her parents' room, feet thumped to the floor. Ramona's tousled father in rumpled pajamas was silhouetted in Ramona's doorway, followed by her mother tugging a robe on over her short nightgown. "'What is it, baby?' asked Mr. Quimby. Both Ramona's parents called her baby when they were worried about her, and tonight Ramona was so relieved to see them she did not mind. "'Was it a bad dream?' asked Mrs. Quimby. "'There's something in the kitchen!' Ramona's voice quivered. Beezus, only half awake, joined the family. "'What's happening?' she asked. "'What's going on?' "'There's something in the kitchen,' said Ramona, feeling braver. "'Something moving!' "'Shh!' commanded Mr. Quimby. Tense. The family listened to silence. "'You just had a bad dream,' Mrs. Quimby came into the room, kissed Ramona, and started to tuck her in. Ramona pushed the blanket away. "'It was not a bad dream,' she insisted. "'I did hear, too, something, something spooky.' "'All we have to do is look,' said Mr. Quimby. "'Reasonably and bravely,' Ramona thought. "'Nobody would get her into the kitchen.' Ramona waited, scarcely breathing, fearing for her father's safety as he walked down the hall and flipped on the kitchen light. No shout, no yell came from that part of the house. Instead, her father laughed, and Ramona felt brave enough to follow the rest of the family to see what was funny. There was a strong smell of cat food in the kitchen. What Ramona saw and what Beza saw did not strike them as one bit funny. Their jack-o'-lantern, the jack-o'-lantern their father had worked so hard to carve, no longer had a whole face. Part of its forehead, one ferocious eyebrow, one eye, and part of its nose were gone. Replaced by a jagged hole edged by little teeth marks, Picky-Picky was crouched in guilt under the kitchen table. The nerve of that cat. Bad cat! Bad cat! shrieked Ramona, stamping her bare foot on the cold linoleum. The old yellow cat fled to the dining room, where he crouched under the table, his eyes glittering out of the darkness. Mrs. Quimby laughed a small, rueful laugh. I knew he liked cantaloupe, but I had no idea he liked pumpkin, too. With a butcher's knife, she began to cut up the remains of the jack-o'-lantern, carefully removing, Ramona noticed, the parts with teeth marks. I told you he wouldn't eat that awful pus putty. Beezus was accusing her father of denying their cat. Of course he had to eat the jack-o'-lantern. He's starving. Beezus, dear, said Mrs. Quimby, we simply cannot afford the brand of food Picky Picky used to eat. Now be reasonable. Beezus was in no mood to be reasonable. Then how come Daddy can afford to smoke? She demanded to know. Ramona was astonished to hear her sister speak this way to her mother. Mr. Quimby looked angry. Young lady, he said, and when he called Beezus young lady, Ramona knew her sister had better watch out. Young lady, I have heard enough about that old Tom Cat and his food. My cigarettes are none of your business. Ramona expected Beezus to say she was sorry, or maybe burst into tears and run to her room. Instead, she pulled Picky Picky out from under the table and held him to her chest as if she were shielding him from danger. They, too, are my business, she informed her father. Cigarettes can kill you. Your lungs will turn black and you'll die. We made posters about it at school, and besides, cigarettes pollute the air. Ramona was horrified by her sister's daring, and at the same time, she was a tiny bit pleased. Beezus was usually well-behaved, 
while Ramona was the one who had tantrums. Then she struck by the meaning of her sister's angry words, and she was frightened. That's enough of you, Mr. Quimby told Bezos, and let me remind you that if you had shut that cat in the basement as you were supposed to, this would never have happened. Mrs. Quimby quietly stowed the remains of the jack-o'-lantern in a plastic bag in the refrigerator. Bezos opened the basement door and gently set Picky-Picky on the top step. Nighty-night, she said tenderly. Young lady, began Mr. Quimby. Young lady again. Now Bezos was really going to catch it. You are getting altogether too big for your britches lately. Just be careful how you talk around this house. Still... Bezos did not say she was sorry. She did not burst into tears. She simply stalked off to her room. Ramona was the one who burst into tears. She didn't mind when she and Bezos quarreled. She even enjoyed a good fight now and then to clear the air, but she could not bear it when anyone else in the family quarreled, and those awful things Bezos said. Were they true? Don't cry, Ramona. Mrs. Quimby put her arm around her youngest daughter. We'll get another pumpkin. But, but, but it won't be as big, sobbed Ramona, who wasn't crying about the pumpkin at all. She was crying about important things, like her father being cross so much now that he wasn't working, and his lungs turning black, and Beezus being so disagreeable, when before she had always been so polite to grown-ups and anxious to do the right thing. Come on, let's all go to bed, and things will look brighter in the morning, said Mrs. Quimby. In a few minutes... Mr. Quimby picked up a package of cigarettes he had left on the kitchen table, shook one out, lit it, and sat down, still looking angry. Were his lungs turning black this very minute? Ramona wondered. How would anybody know when his lungs were inside him? She let her mother guide her to her room and tuck her in bed. Now don't worry about your jack-o'-lantern. We'll get another pumpkin. It won't be as big, but you'll have your jack-o'-lantern. Mrs. Quimby kissed Ramona goodnight. Nighty-night, said Ramona in a muffled voice. As soon as her mother left, she hopped out of bed and pulled her old panda bear out from under the bed and tucked it under the covers beside her for comfort. The bear must have been dusty because Ramona sneezed. tight," said Mr. Quimby, passing by her door. We'll carve another pumpkin. Don't worry. He was not angry with Ramona. Ramona snuggled down with her dusty bear. Didn't grown-ups think children worried about anything else but jack-o'-lanterns? Didn't they know children worried about grown-ups? Hi, friends. What did you think of those first three chapters? It sounds like Ramona and her family are going through a little bit of a pickle. Do your families ever go through hard things? Well, tune in to the next episode where we will finish the book, Ramona and Her Father, and see how they deal with hard things too.